As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody, welcome back another episode of one of these years playoff episode number two ladies and gentlemen the street if i had like celebration bumper music we'd be playing it right now or streaming music uh the streak's dead uh colton it is over i'm of course nick bumper along with colton bouncy uh we were in fort field with many of you i would assume uh, listening to the show and if you weren't i'm sure you were watching uh and colton what i would what i called that night as i was driving home and thinking about it the loudest football game I've ever covered. Um, I don't know if it would be the same for you, but uh, how are we doing here? And uh, wow, what a, what a, what a game, what a, what a day or just a whole atmosphere, right? I mean, the whole thing was crazy. Honestly, I I have to agree with you there. That was by far the loudest game I've ever been to. I've ever covered. Um, And it was starting early, man. Like those fans showed up. Like I got there, like, I think it was like four hours before the game. Uh, And they were starting to flood in pretty early there and got to their seats and were staying and were loud early on in pregame. I think that's what a lot of players said. That's when they noticed like it was different, um, just how early they were out there. Um, I would say the only game that I've covered that like comes close to that was probably the 2021 Michigan-Michigan State game Mm. um, at at a Spartan Stadium. That was a loud one, but this one was even louder. And that's kind of what we expected. I think they broke the sound record um, at Ford Field. (laughs) Which, yeah, which I... Kind of thought like I didn't see it like during the game. I think it was like 135, 136, something like that. But um uh yeah, they broke that. Um <laughs> and it was deafening, man. Like it was everything you wanted, like the light show with the LED bracelets and that the third awesome. down signs and just the atmosphere. It was it was incredible and it was, it was a really cool game to experience, you know. That's a great comparison, that Michigan Michigan State game, because and I've been to other college football games that remind me of that. The there's been some Ohio State Michigan games that are like that. But it's that like sustained roar through the whole game. That wire is the to wire. Yeah. right? Wire to wire. And that game was an overtime game. So it was particularly like, oh my God, they never sat down. The team, you know, nobody in the stands ever like rested. And that's what this was. It was from pregame all the way through. Like, you know, I was thinking about it like loud is loud. And, you know, we've all heard Ford Field more or less that loud before, I think. that Although that was uh, like the first time Stafford had a change of play, I was like, holy shit, because they went up like a little bit more. And I was like, oh, my God, like this is even louder. They're going up to another notch. But loud is loud. And we've heard, you know, that that peak before. 
but not for a full game. And even the dead spots, like where Puka gets that big play or whatever it is, they come right back. And the crowd was just into it the whole night. And Colton, they cost the Rams two timeouts, and they directly played an impact in the results of the game, period. Yeah, that was huge. Like, I, you get the sense the Rams were a little rattled there. Like, yeah. they had a delay game that actually turned into a timeout. And I'm like, that's probably better. If I'm the Rams, I probably want to use I probably want the penalty just because I want Correct. to hold on to the timeouts later in the game. Right. Mm-hmm. But they were taking those timeouts and kind of dwindling them. And you get late in the game, and you're just like, wait a minute. They only have one timeout because of how loud this crowd is. The crowd right. is having a direct impact on this football game. And this is everything I think Dan Campbell envisioned. He said he's had, you know, sort of these moments where he starts to think about what that environment looks like throughout the regular season. And he's like, I already know what this is going to look like. I've envisioned it in my head. And he said it was everything and more. And to have that sort of impact from the fans, that had been waiting so long for a game like that at home and a win like that. That was that was really cool to see the way it played out. And, um, no, they, they let that game happy, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, everything and more is correct because, God, I remember like a couple of years ago, I think it was during COVID, Chris and Craig – and I, Craig Custance and Chris Burke, and I did a rewatch of the 91 game, the one where they beat Dallas. That's right. In the Silverdome. And I was a kid uh, when that was happening. We were all kids. Craig was older than us, uh, of course, by a few years. Um, but I remember watching it, and I remember watching it live then. I remember watching it back, obviously, during that whole thing, and the crowd was just unhinged. It's one of those like hidden gems of NFL football that people don't really realize. It was unhinged, and it's like, and I remember this whole time, 30 years, you, you think of that game. I, I have in my head for 30 years really is that's the memory of like what it would be like if they ever hosted another playoff game. And then you get in there and not only does it deliver, but it like goes even above probably what you probably thought because, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was just the whole thing. Like, you know, from start to stop, um, the fireworks, like I said before, like right when it started, it felt like WrestleMania in there, crying out loud. It was just <laughs> one of those things where it was cool to see, and it was a great game. Um, but yeah, I mean, like impossible to say that it didn't have a direct impact uh, on things. And I, I, we'll see if they can top it this week. Well, I don't know. Maybe I guess we'll find I out. I think the combination of like the first home game and, and Stafford, yeah, and Stafford is going to be tough to beat. It was wild. Um, but man, like if they win a game to go to the NFC Championship, like it it could top it. I wouldn't be surprised. The one thing I'll say is like I knew it had been 32 years since the last playoff win, and I knew it had mm-hmm. been a while since they had. You know, I want to say this is the second win since like 1957. Right. I I knew that, but hearing it on the broadcast, I think Tariko said it. I was just like, wow, yeah. <laughs> two wins since 1957. Yeah, I know. So this this fan base has been been waiting. You guys are a patient bunch. I, I have so much respect for for Lions fans out there for watching this team over the years and and waiting for this moment. And I'm I'm happy that you guys got to see it play out the way it did. So that was a cool one. Yeah, I mean, there's no there's nothing else to say on that one. I think it was like everybody thought. I mean, I wrote that the night at whatever time in the morning we were done. Um, that that was the night that Detroit got to remind everybody that it's a football town and it's been one forever. And I, I just. Uh, you know, there's been so many people that have lived here for a long time and, you know, you were about to become one of them until they turn it around that were that, that go and tell people, you don't realize like what these people are like here. You don't get it. They are like, they are there in the worst moments. Like, and that was the thing that hit me too. Okay. Not 
Every single coach, every one of them that is coached in this franchise has gotten that advantage from a crowd. Something like that. Maybe not exactly like that because it was a playoff game, but something like that. And the only ones that took advantage of them in 30 years are Dan Campbell and Wayne Fonts. So I don't want to hear it from anybody else because they all had that opportunity to take advantage of a situation where another team is rattled and you're they're giving you opportunities you don't do anything with it. Uh, yeah. Matt Patricia over and over again. Schwartz, Caldwell, on and on. And this is the difference. They took advantage of it and they didn't let him down. And they really haven't done that, Colton. I don't – I mean, there's only been – a handful of games where the crowd has really been at a peak level during the Campbell era where you've left and said, well, they lost or they let them down like only a couple times, two or three tops. I would say Thanksgiving this year was one of them, but that that's pretty much it. Right. I mean, that's, that's the difference to me is they took advantage of it and that's why you're going to get that extra oomph from everybody in there. I would assume. Yeah. And they knew it was coming. They knew that this was building and this was kind of like what it would be like. Um, early in the season, even before the season, they were saying, look, we know the crowd's going to be wild. Um, we've kind of put ourselves in that position, but if we don't do anything with the season, it's not going to matter. Um, mm-hmm. If we don't give them something to root for, a good product on the field, you know, it's going to go to waste. So that's our focus. That's that's our mindset going into the season. We need to do what we set out to do. That's win a division title. That's win a playoff game and see where we can go from there. They've done that. And in some ways, it's almost like they're playing with house money because this is going to be a successful season no matter what happens from right. here on out. But they got a big opportunity coming up here, and um, just that's a result of what they did, you know, last week on Sunday. Well, let's break it down here a little bit. I mean, the the main event going in obviously was quarterbacks Goff and Stafford, and uh, man alive, it delivered. Um, you know, we'll start with Goff uh, because I think everyone will kill us if we don't, based on the reactions <laughs> they were giving him. Uh, I, I wrote it down about an hour, but I think it was like 50 minutes or something like that before kickoff is when the first chant I heard right when they came out for warmups. Jerry, you know, it was right after it was right before they booed Stafford. I want to say <laughs> they started chanting Jared Goff, mm-hmm. um, and they did it four or five more times. Colton, I mean, so much of it to me felt like um, not only obviously you want to prove to him that they're behind him and the crowd wants to do that, but there's a lot of people there that that booed him in that building and didn't really accept him early on. It took him a long time. It took Jared a long time to prove that. And this is what happens here in Detroit. It always is. It takes people a long time to prove that. But then you get to a game like that, and that was the whole crowd telling him that, hey, we're sorry, and we have you We have you now. That's what that felt like to me. Because And they've been trying to do that, I feel like, all year. That Sometimes they come at us, and they, they, like last year, they would attack us a lot. Like, you guys need to leave golf alone, for God's sake. I'm like, we're not really doing anything to golf, okay? Like, <laughs> calm down. But like this year, and you know what I mean? And this year, it's just been a different level where they've really shown that support to the ownership and to the franchise that, like, we really like this guy. He fits what we're doing. We get that. We understand that. That was really cool. Really cool to see. Jordan told us he's never got that in L.A., and I, I'm not shocked. I mean, no one gets that in L.A., right? That's not no. a, that's not a They don't have enough fans to get that <laughs> <Right>. support. <laughs> All six yeah. of them. Um, yeah, man, it was cool. Like, And you kind of knew it was going to be a, a day like that based on how the week was kind of trending. and. Mm-hmm. Um, just the storylines out there. And, you know, he was tired of talking about the same things that he's probably answered years, you know, four years out, out here now. But um, to see him have that moment was kind of a full circle moment, in my opinion. Like, I'm thinking back to yeah. his first press conference and talking about how he wants to build a winner here and um, thinking back to training camp 2022 when he's talking about, you know, my house feels like a home. I'm starting to remember names around the building. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm starting to settle in here. And then he had that season that he did last year, and you're starting to see 
the total picture and say, this can come together in a really cool way if they keep building, keep adding around him. Um, and then to have a game like that where you know that, you know, he's have, he has to kind of reface a lot of the storylines that he's probably tried to bury over, over the years. Um, a coach that gave up on him, took a team in the Super Bowl, and they dump you off. You're the cast off. You know, you're the bridge guy. That's kind of how people view you around the country. Um, and I even think it took national media a while to kind of come around to him. Like I, we were, yeah. you know, whether it's let's draft a quarterback early, you know, all that stuff was part of the equation until you see what he can do in a year like this where it, when it actually matters. Um, and to see him have that moment where the crowd is chanting his name. And I, I want to say like the sound record that they broke, they said probably it was before was the game, yeah. not during the game, before the game. And if I had to guess, it would probably be the pregame warm-up when he ran out for the field for introductions mm-hmm. and all the lights are going, the lights are dim and people are chanting his name and it's loud. And I think that's I'll have to confirm with the lines, but like I would not be surprised if that was the moment that they broke it. Um, because it was loud. It was deafening when he ran out onto the field. And that was a really cool thing to see. Um, and then his performance in the game, like he was real steady man. He was mm-hmm. uh real efficient with the ball, getting out to his playmakers, didn't look rattled. Um, and for all the talk about him not being able to perform in the playoffs and, you know, lead this team to a playoff win, like he went out and he did it. And that was, that was really cool to see. Yeah. It's just been a steady, steady thing and a really cool thing to watch over time as a guy who, and it's interesting, right? Because, um, so many people and it's real, it's hard to play here. It's hard to play quarterback in, in Detroit for a thousand reasons, because you start to chase ghosts. It's natural. It's how it works. You've got all that streak and everything on you. No one's won here. It's impossible, blah, blah, blah. Um, but more than that, like for a guy like Goff, he came here at a time where it was like he didn't even have the luxury to get into that set, you know, I'm going to chase ghosts or whatever, because he had to fix his own stuff. He had so much stuff on his own plate. I feel like that maybe weirdly helped him in a way that he didn't have. He, he's never been a guy. And maybe that's just his focus as a, as a person. I could be is a pretty tough guy, but he's never been a guy who seems to worry or care about the environment or anything else. Even in the very beginning when no one else other than like Brad Holmes and Campbell believed in him. Um, even then, I mean, it was awkward and it was weird, but it never seemed like a situation where he was so like rattled beyond a point where he couldn't handle, handle finding his way back. And you could tell that it was going to take a while and there were some things he was going to have to go through, but um, yeah. Wow. What a, what a, story it's it's been and i think that it's a lesson for again i say it all the time it you know it's about with these young quarterbacks jared was 25 when they gave up on him like justin fields is about to be 24 or whatever it is right it's so much more about like who you have with the person who what who the coach or the tutor or the mentor is and how they're talking to the player um, today than it was 5, 10, 15 years ago, whatever. That's just how it is. So deal with it. And like, I feel like that is maybe a lesson for other coaches to learn from, possibly. I don't know. You look at some of the young quarterbacks who've had success recently, like Jalen Hurts is in, a, is in a situation in Philly where I feel like they usually do a nice job of, you know, doing what, you know, playing to his strengths and not overwhelming him. Like that, that's got to be what people do one for. Am I wrong? I mean, this feels like an example to me because – it shouldn't have had to get that bad for a guy like Jared Goff, but it did. But, you know, here we are. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest lesson out of this is, like, patience. I think the yeah. NFL is moves so quickly that there's no you time for development. That's why, you know, guys out here say Jared's a better quarterback than he was back then because he's mm-hmm. matured and he's older now and he understands, you know, 
you know, the ins and outs of the game, the X's and O's more, but also just more comfortable in his own skin. And that comes with time when you're, you've seen some stuff in this league. Um, and we're so quick to just write off dudes if they aren't like Patrick Mahomes. And I think that's right. probably just society these days, but in some ways it's mm-hmm. like the coaching should know better. And a lot of to- a lot of these times, like Sean McVay, it seems like he had a bit of an ego and he just wanted to live up to the golden boy status as his coach. And Hey, if you're not getting me there, I got to find the next guy that can't. And like, it worked out for him. Like credit to him. They, they got the Super yeah, Bowl, well, but at the same time, it's like he even regrets the way that he handled that. He's matured as a head coach in some ways. Um, and he's talked about how I, I definitely could have handled that better. That's on me. And so you look around the league and you see some of these quarterbacks like like Baker Mayfield, who's going to be on the sideline, the sideline this week. Yeah. Uh, Geno Smith, like some quarterbacks just, you know, and, and I understand some franchises can't wait to, to kind of sure. find a quarterback to figure it out all the time. But um, you can't write off every single guy because some guys mature in their own ways. And I think Jared's a perfect example. Um, he needed a coaching staff that would give him patience to grow into the quarterback that he's become today. And he didn't have that as old stop, but as, as Dan Campbell said, you're good enough for fucking Detroit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. right. God damn. Like, I mean, that's the best way to put it, but it's just, I don't want to get on too much of a soapbox there because it's a conversation about different teams now because the Lions don't really have this problem, but yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a lesson in patience. And I really do think if the contracts are what they are, you got to deal with that obviously, you know, but and everybody wants to lock up their guy as soon as possible. And I understand that too. But, um, you know, when you don't give a guy all that pressure right out of the shoot, you also don't, you know, turn things into and you, like Jordan Love. There's another one like that just popped into my head. This guy's yep. taken out for many years now. And here he is slaying the Cowboys and ruining the Dallas's life, you know, down there. So, yeah, just a terrific turnaround from him. And then you flip the other side, Colton, and Stafford was also amazing. Um, that was a vintage Stafford performance, one of the best Stafford performances I've ever seen. Um, because it, it had everything. It had the no looks, the bombs, the toughness, him playing through an obvious concussion. Which, I mean, I don't know what else Dude, to say what about that. What the hell that. was that? I mean, it was it had everything. It had all the Stafford stuff. As I tweeted during the game, he has found more duct tape, and as is tradition in this building, he will be out here to finish the football game because that's just who he is, I guess. But um, wow, that was a hell of a performance, and you know, he wanted that bad. We, we we said that coming in, correct? And we also said that the Lions guys needed and wanted a little bit more, and they kind of did. But what a performance from Stafford. I mean, I know we got booed. It's a playoff game. Everyone will get over that. Uh, people here respect Matthew Stafford. There's no other way to say that. I want to talk about the boos for a second. Yes, let's do that. Because, and I wrote this in my story, I almost felt like the boos were necessary to set the tone for the game. Yeah, man. And I want to, like, obviously, Lions fans love Stafford for what he did and everything, like the comeback wins, playing through injury, like all that stuff endeared him to the city for so long. But I think the booze set the tone for supporting Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like every time that dude ran the field, they had to boo him to let him know, look, man, love what you did. You don't play for us anymore. This is about Detroit. This is about 100%. this team. That's how I viewed it. I didn't view it as, you know, you suck. We hate you. Like, that's not like, there are different kinds of, of booze, I guess. That's how I'm saying this. But I didn't view that as like a malicious boo. I booed it as, look, man, you're the enemy in this game. We love you, but we're not rooting for you today. We're rooting for our guy, Jared Goff. So I think those were the cheers for boos. The, the cheers for Goff and the boos for Stafford, I think, were intertwined mm-hmm. in a game like this where you have to support your guy and set the tone as a crowd. And I feel like they did that. 
like early on, and then you saw the way it played out in the game with the Rams having to burn those two timeouts. I just viewed that as the crowd setting the tone, taking things into their own hands and saying, this is how it's going to go on this Sunday. Right. You're not getting anything from us. That's kind of how I viewed it. I don't know about and, you. I mean, I, yes, 100%. There's two parts to this, but I agree with your part there completely and totally. It was more about golf and the Lions anything else. The game wasn't about Stafford to, to them. They were making sure that he knew that. This was about us winning a playoff game. Uh, you know, and beyond that, you know, when he left, he said all the correct things publicly, obviously, about and probably privately about like how much it meant to him here and he wouldn't trade it for the world and all that sort of thing. But there was this, and it wasn't directly from him, although it was directly from some in his orbit, I will say, it, there was this mood that he'd been saved from this hell and this dumpster and it was all the lion's fault. It was impossible to ever win in Detroit. Stafford proved it. All, I mean, it was the whole thing, the whole year. That's all it was. The, the, all, of let, all of Patricia's last year, really his last two years, and then all of Campbell's first year, the narrative was just like, you can never win in Detroit. Thank God they saved him from that horrible hell. And like he, I know he had, you know, he would make his little commercials, what a little bit in Detroit and all that stuff. But like, my God, the whole thing was spun as like, golf was sent to prison and Stafford was freed from jail. Like, that's how it was spun. And, like, whether or not that was Stafford's intent is not relevant. That's how all 65,000 of those people who booed his ass took it. So you want to come back here after you got to go to paradise. Now you're coming back to hell, and we're going to make it hell for you for the next four hours. Also, no one in that building booed children. I'm just going to say that. Uh, period. That's the end of that whole thing. That's complete and total nonsense. That was crazy. And also part of the reason why some of those people booed him. Period. And start. Correct? I don't know what else to say there. Why would a crowd boo children? I don't know. Maybe look in the mirror and wonder why they're booing. Yeah. I mean, is it me? No, it's the children. Is nonsense. Right. And says a lot. That was wild. Anyway. That was wild. Yes. But, uh, you know. The booing is what it is. I do think in a game that would, that if it didn't matter, like, you know, I think they're coming back next year. They are. We'll see, I guess, how it goes because he was a little <laughs> pissy after the game. But it's a playoff game. It's like, that's what I was also going to say. It's a playoff yeah. game. Like, we can't, we can't have reactions like this to what people say after playoff games, guys. It's, I know it's new, but it, the, look at Mike Tomlin. Look what he just did. He walked just off walked the off. damn set. It yeah. just happens every year with these coaches and players. It's playoffs. It's the most charged time of the year people get upset and they get into it is what it is they're going to comment when they're and you know sort of the heat of moment type of thing i think uh they would react differently if you get a little further removed from the game but don't read into post game comments don't read into in-game comments from these behind the scenes videos guys it's not that deep uh these are competitors out there on the field um so i would just put that out there but yeah man i would be interested to see the reception that he gets um when he comes back uh, in the regular season next year, because that's happening. They come back to Detroit in 2024. Um, I imagine it'd be a little less hostile, uh, yeah, just because it's not a playoff game. Uh, I don't know if some of these comments are going to help him, per se, but I do think, you know, we were a little bit further removed from this game. Right. The Lions wanted this one, because they have not won a playoff game in 32 years. My guy, you won a Super Bowl not too long ago. You got your ring. Lions fans want one of their own. Not even a ring. I'm sure they want one too, but like they'll take a playoff game in the meantime. Right. Just one. 
so like that's what that was about and they got it and now they're happy and i think we can all move forward after this but yeah definitely some uh some lingering comments and here. you know what here's the other side of it colton and i know Stafford got his ring but damn it you bet your ass there was part of him that walked out of that building that was like i wish that was me who was the one who did this here i was supposed to be the one who did this here not him and that's Probably. just a competitor talking that's not ill feelings Obviously, you saw the moment with Goff and Stafford for the game. You can't have more respect between two people than uh, those two share, clearly, right? Yeah. But, like, just as it was for Goff, looking at Stafford in the Super Bowl, being like, that should have been me. That was my team. I was supposed to be the guy who did that. I promise you. I promise you. And he'll never say it because he won a Super Bowl and they accomplished what they were supposed to accomplish. The fact that it happened this fast while he was still playing – I promise you he didn't think he'd still be playing while they fixed this. No way. No way when they traded him. And I know, I guarantee you that factored into some of this. Because he's a competitor. He's like one of the alpha dog dude. He just doesn't sound like it. You know? Like, you, you watched the mic'd up thing. You heard him on the mm -hmm. field. You saw it. You see the thing where he, where Hutchinson leveled his ass and he made a completion name and got back up and motherfucked him. Like, yeah. right away. That's who he is. And that's why I still think people love him here. And maybe after he retires or something and comes back you know, wave the hat, he'll get chanted off the field just like Goff did. You know, same same thing. I mean, that's just how it is. I think that my when you were talking about it, my, I actually bet next year, he'll get asked about this again, right, next year before they come back, and he'll say whatever he says, and people here will feel bad about it, and I bet they'll give him a cheer. Fair, I mean, that yeah. that's my guess. I've been wrong before. I, thought no, they, I, mean, I didn't think they would boo him this bad. Fun <laughs> day, so I guess we'll see. The boos in a playoff game are completely understandable. I don't know why the yeah, NFL was putting out graphics like, oh, the Golden Boy's coming home. Like, they were doing that. NFL social. Right. Yeah. I'm like, what are we doing here? It's a it's a goddamn right. playoff game. Like, this is going to get hostile. Right. So what? Someone boos you. Like, it's football. Like, relax. People, you get booed all the time. Like, it, Somebody it happens. tweeted at me that high school kids get booed for cats. Like, they do. I'm like, that's true. Yes. They do. <laughs> the only one that doesn't get booed are children, which apparently right. we have to say. But anyway. Um, <laughs> right. Like, I do think when he comes back, it's going to be – I hope they, they roll up the red carpet in a way sure. that's that honors what he's done here more so than they did this past game. Right. Um, I bet I, they could do that, too, and you're probably right about that. That's a good call. That they yeah. could even put a graphic up or some shit, right? So maybe you know, some like Calvin will be in there and some other right. former teammates, and they'll probably do something cool. Like, well, shit, yeah, you just put up a graphic when he walks on the field. Matthew Stafford, the all-time leading passer of Detroit Lions history, yeah. the whole place would fucking go nuts. That's For all sure. it would take. That's all. That's all you need. Yeah, because everybody loves him and they remember exactly what he meant here. And it was just that was a moment for everybody. And when you move forward, move on, it's whatever. I think there's nothing but respect from both sides. And you saw it, like. It was really cool to see. I was watching with the binoculars and the cameras caught it too, obviously. Um, Ragnow was the first one to run over to him. And I remember how much Frank just loved him when he was here. Like, talked about how, you know, his rookie year was such a disaster because he had to play guard. And then they moved him back to center and he was so nervous. And you know, Frank, he's a, and imagine Frank is a 21 year old now, okay? Like, mm -hmm. nervous, like super nervous kid. And Stafford, like, totally calmed him down and got him and he was just i owe the world to stafford he talked about it all the time that was cool to see a lot of those guys so yeah you know all love there i think for both sides and everybody will be fine going forward um but yes lions survived defensively colton i think that more importantly here um defensively in this game because the offense we talked about this a little bit during the game itself they this was not their best day running the ball it was actually one of their worst uh running the ball the defense though 
did what it exactly what it had to do in this game, right? Uh, a couple bad ones that we talked about, you can't give those ones up, but they forced like two or three kicks in the red zone, and that was all it took. That's all you need. Get off the field. You'd like to have more points on your side probably than 23. They had to make more stops than I think you would have liked to put them in the position to, but uh, heck of a day, heck of a performance there from them. I want to say on the last podcast, you said exactly if you hold them to three field goals and five opportunities and you win the game, you put up yeah. points, you're probably going to win the game. And that's, that's what, what they did. Like, yeah, look, and, and the Rams were moving the ball. Like, we oh, yeah. knew they were going to move the ball. Like, <laughs> Stafford was going to get his yards. Damn right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and like the way that he was getting the yards, I want to say, like, I I really do think the Lions were in position to make plays some of those times, like on the 2 2 Atwell touchdown. Yeah. Um, Vildor was like right there. He made a diving attempt and just came up short. He thought he had it, but obviously didn't. Um, yeah, don't leave your feet. But he was right there. And like if he doesn't leave his feet, that's probably just a quick tackle. And then you live to see another play. Um, but Stafford just darted that in there and he was making these no look throws. And my God, he was in his bag all game. And that was Stafford throwing dudes open in so many ways throughout that game. And that's the maturity that you see from him as a quarterback and as a passer. Um, so like, I know everyone wants to harp on the Lions defense, but we talked about it during the regular season. A lot of people said this Lions defense is not good enough to handle good quarterbacks in the playoffs. They got the field when they needed to. They really did. I mean, you hold them to three field goals and two touchdowns. Like that's, that's how you win playoff games. 23 points, 20 points. You keep them low twenties because people like the offenses are so good in these, in this time of the year. Look at the Super Bowl last year. It was a 30, 30 something game. Like it's going to happen. You're going to give up points, but um, as long as you can limit the scoring opportunities in the red zone and, and right. kind of make them work for it, I think you're going to be okay more often than not, especially with this offense. And if they're humming the way that they usually are, so that's what I would say about the defense. I mean, they get off the field three for nine on third down. Um, you know, I think the last possession where they get off the field to get the stop and give the give the ball back to the offense to go win it. I thought that was that was crucial. And they and they did it. Aiden Hutchinson with those two pressures late in the game, um, you know, one pressure and then gets a holding penalty. I thought that was perfect, kind of some symbolic of the way the season's gone. Um, and they and they were able to get it done, man. Like I know it's not going to look pretty every game. The box store, the numbers aren't always going to be there. It's not always going to be what you want, but they got it done, man. That's all that matters. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And, you know, I was going to bring up Aiden. I'm glad you brought him up because he was, and he said after the game, something that I don't think a lot of people understand, but if you really watched it at Michigan, it's real, um, that he gets better as the season goes on. Um, I wrote about that, yep. 
Right. And I, that's what I was going to say. I was going to bring that up because it's all very real. You know, last year, you can go look. Same thing happened. When he got toward 1,000 snaps, you get to the end of the season, everyone else is tired and worn out, and he just keeps friggin' going. And the same thing has happened this year to a to another level, though, because there's little things that are that are now coming along. That spin move is, like, lethal all of a sudden. Went from, like, sort of sloppy to, like, holy shit, like, overnight, damn near. He's got counters um, off the spin move now. Right. Like, it's, it's something beautiful. He's got the stutter step going, which, I mean, is a thing that is, has been inconsistent with him where the little stutter step and then he can dip. It's everything. He's now showing all the stuff, okay? Uh, and this was a game where he didn't even play the full snap load. I think he was sick because the whole room got the cold or whatever it was. I think, he, yeah, I got it right here, 44. I mean, usually he's up in the 50s or sometimes in the 60s. Obviously, 60s. the game dictates it, but he was out on some of those plays. And it's it's about being able to wreck a third down in the fourth quarter when it matters. And that's what it's about. And that's what he does. That's why you draft him number two. Like, that's when you look at guys like Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, um, the dudes over the Micah, the dudes over the years that, you know, we think about Miles Garrett and we think about like the elite pass rushers. It's not about, and it for some people it is, it's not about the, the, the raw 18 sacks at the end of the year or even the pressures. It's about, are you there in the fourth quarter when it matters? And do they have to still plan for you when it matters? And they did. And he still got home twice and almost got a sack fumble and was pissed of himself that he didn't. Like he yep. is elite. He's an elite football player. And um, boy, oh boy, I, this year proved it more than anything else. I don't know what the final, it's got like nine sacks in his last like four games or something like this. <laughs> three, seven, yeah, nine. In his last seven, in, seven in his last three. Seven, at least, yeah. For sure. Seven um, and three, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. And honestly, like this was so perfect because we've been talking about pressures and how impactful they can be all year. And like the two sacks that he got were the easiest sacks he'll ever Yeah, have right now. But like, <laughs> To me, that's almost like I'm not surprised to see that. It's yeah, like smaller. that is like positive regression to me. That's <laughs> yeah. kind of how I view it. A guy that had been working his ass off to get these pressures all year, but the sacks weren't there. Um, yeah, man, that kind of like, speaks that like you're like going to get some gimmies, man. Numbers, hundred percent, same exact yeah. thing. Like if if you're putting in the work and you're you're pressuring the quarterback at that rate, some of those sacks are going to come eventually, even right. when you like least expect it. Because you're standing so, there. For him to yeah. get that, those two, I honestly think the pressures that he had like late in the game were more impactful than like the two sacks. Hundred percent. Um, but that's look, it's gonna come for you when you're producing like that. So he's been awesome in the regular season. The last two games, he jumped from I want to say the last three games, he jumped from six and a half sacks to eleven and a half sacks. Uh, so forty fourth in the rankings to twelfth in the rankings <laughs> in a matter of three weeks. So that shows you, as coaches say so often. Sacks come in bunches. Right. And what's more important to me is, and I, I made this re- this reference in the, the story I wrote on Aiden Hutchinson. If you're only looking at sacks, you're going to have an opinion of a guy that only has six and a half through 15 games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I likened it to batting average in baseball. Mm. Sometimes a guy can have a low batting average, but if his exit velocity is just like through the roof, right, and he just and his batting average on balls and play is super low. Um, that's just bad luck. And that means positive progression is probably coming if he's hitting the hell out of the ball and he's just hitting it to right to the shortstop or right to the center fielder, you know? Um, but you can usually use those metrics to determine trends and if positive progression is coming. And that's what I saw with Aiden Hutchinson with the sack total and the pressures. To have that that few sacks, six and a half, and have the total pressures that he had, 
like third in the league at the time, and then and ultimately finishing second in the league. That told me that the sacks would come eventually, and they have. Seven last three games, he's been impactful. He's heating up at the right time, as he said, and the Lions are a better defense for it. And they they need Hutchinson to play like this. He's looking like a number two overall pick, mm-hmm. and it could not have come at a better time. Hundred percent. It's just in money time, in winning time, back to back like that in a playoff game to go win it when your offense isn't doesn't have its fastball. There's like no other questions that that guy needs to answer, as far as I'm concerned. Like he, you know, all the stuff that people dinged on him, and it wasn't all the things. It was one thing that you dinged on him when he came out. It was he did he has short arms, but it's the athleticism and everything else on top of the effort that overcomes all of it. it doesn't matter. The length and and that's real. Like it, there there are guys that you'll study, you know, in the draft and in these prospect situations. There are some guys that have outstanding length and have no idea what the hell to do with it. Like there's mm-hmm. guys that 35 inch arms and like it doesn't matter. He's leaning into him with his shoulder and falling down and doesn't know what the hell to do. This is not that. This is a technician who has gotten better every year. Like the the progress he made in the spin move alone this year <laughs> says says everything about Aiden Hutchinson as a player. It, when he sets his mind to get better at something, it goes through the roof. I want everyone to go back before when you're done here. The Lions, I think, put the mic up of Hutchinson for the playoff game on the YouTube. Go yep. back and, and, and listen to him during that whole thing. Listen to how he talks to himself during the whole game. This guy's a freak. This guy is a freaky, <laughs> robotic, freaky, freaky athlete who goes out there and just gets it done. And when he says, I get better at the end of the year, he's not lying. Like, that's a real real thing and like Sewell's the same way I would expect a better performance from him on the other side but that's why I view those two the same because they're like they have the same impact at the big moments when you have to have it they don't dip they don't they don't fall off they don't falter it's like they're the best of that you get the best of them against the best competition and in the moment when you have to get it it was just all pro level performance from Aiden and uh, nine pressures overall two sacks uh, and the two biggest uh, pressures at the end there. Just awesome, awesome stuff. What else about the defense goal? Because it was a heck of a day overall, except for Kirby's dirty dirty hit there, probably, I guess, which is two for him. They'll probably get a fine, I would think, for that one. But whatever, they, they got the fumble, I suppose, too, is what it is. Well, like – Or not fumble, but – No, with Kirby, it's like I've seen that hit a million times in the NFL. Yeah, like, and that's, it's also like that's a bad – that's a tough one, man. That's a is tough, it? Tough, yes, because when you're going right at the knee, um, Campbell said that's how we teach them to tackle. That's I how know. the NFL wants us to tackle. I think if that didn't result in an injury and a torn ACL, right, then no one would be talking about that play. So I think that you want you want them to tackle at the thigh. To he be said he was aiming for the top for the thigh, right? And he got the knee. <laughs> so Higby's a big guy. Maybe that's part of it. And it is what it, and you know what I mean? And, and to Campbell's point, that's fair, but that's a couple now where Kirby's got a little low. And maybe we can defend him because that's two. Maybe we'll see if it continues. I don't know. But I just don't I, think he's like intentionally trying to tear the ACLs of tight ends across the league. Like it's not no 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 no. No, it's not I think, that. I think there's a little bit of recklessness in 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 the aiming point, but also in that situation, it's a playoff game and you're trying it was like the fourth quarter of the playoff game. So I don't football and that's in that case i had no issue with it at all so it's it's tough because i mean it comes from the league like those guys would yeah be so you're right, you're right they don't want you to hit in the head right? they don't want you to hit in the head sometimes if you go too low you can tear it tear an acl and it's like it's i guess i i as someone that played quarter i'm not saying i'm a yeah, yeah. nfl safety but as someone that played <laughs> what DB, are you supposed to do right it's yeah. hard it's hard man like i don't i kind of feel for him because when you're moving that fast coming downhill mm-hmm. like 
yeah, he could have maybe picked his head up a little more and aimed a little bit higher, but like the difference between that when you're going you're that right. fast is so tough to kind of control. So I, I see Vikings fans out here that are like losing their shit yeah. over that hit. Well, and it's like, oh, he's a dirty player. Stafford said that after the game. I'm just like, I, I get it. Like back-to-back weeks basically where you're tearing right. ACLs is not a good look. I totally understand that. But I really don't think that Kareem Joseph is this malicious player that's – when I hear dirty, I think of like Vontez Perfect and like some of these other guys. That yeah, is that's not fair. That's not what's that fair. is not Kirby to me. So I, I think I would push back on that a little bit. But right. – Maybe can he aim a little higher? Yeah, but it's also tough in the moment. That's that's all I would say about that. Yes, that's a, I totally agree with that. My my I wouldn't just dis- describe it as dirty as more of it would be reckless or you know whatever it is. And frankly, in the moment, I don't care of a, of a playoff game. You you would want your guy to do the same thing if you're Stafford or the, or the Rams or whatever. And that's just the brutal reality uh, of the sport. But overall, um, yeah, not too much to complain about. You know, in terms of. You know, Stafford got his yards, but guys didn't shrink from the moment. There wasn't any freaking out out there other than Vildor falling down and Sutton got cooked once by Puka, and Puka was awesome, but he's awesome. So, I mean, everyone knew that was going to happen. Solid game overall. Now they move forward here, of course, Colton, to Tampa. Uh, uh, Lions have seen Tampa prior this season, but this is a different, different type of Tampa, I suppose. I'm not... I can't remember what the health situation was at the time, but defensively Tampa is a very, very difficult team to play. Todd Bowles is still one of the best thinkers of uh, of defensive ball in the game. Uh, I know AG always talks about he's a big mentor of his and a guy that they've known he's known for a long time. Um, But I think offensively they're playing, obviously they had some drops too, but Baker is playing with some real confidence um, and they're functioning, we'll say. I mean, this is a confident football team and a dangerous one at that. And one that I, I would assume is not being taken lightly by anybody here at this point. You can't. It's a playoff game. <clears throat> you can't. Um, yeah. I look at this. Well, so I guess starting with the, the first game, a lot. I think a lot has changed for both teams, and that's something Campbell said. Um, I would, I'll just speak to the Lions, what, what's mm-hmm. changed for them. Uh, I don't believe Jameer Gibbs played in that game. I think he was nursing something. Uh, David Montgomery, I think he got hurt. Around halftime, that sounds right. Yeah, uh, and ended up missing a couple games after that. Um, Jonah Jackson did not play. Uh, Josh Pascal didn't play. CJ Gardner Johnson didn't play. If he was not the player that he is now, um, they were missing some dudes. Like that was not right. a clean game for them. Um, but they still got it done. They won twenty to six against uh, what I think is a good football team. Um, I think the Buccaneers have only gotten better since then. Yeah, they probably. Um, because Baker, he's taking care of the football. Uh, he handles pressure better than I thought, too, which oh, I kind of yeah, looked at the numbers. Mm-hmm. He's got six touchdowns and two interceptions against pressure, which is pretty solid, actually. Um, that, that's also a testament to, that the uh, Buccaneers offensive line is kind of keeping him clean. Um, he's got those big play receivers, man, that can beat you. Like This group scares me probably more than the Rams receivers. Like Puka, is, Puka he was great in that game, but um, Mike Evans – you just lob it up to him. He can come down within the end zone. Goblin's great after the catch. Um, they've got some re- receivers that can really beat you. And that's – honestly, in the first game, I think Baker missed some throws that were wide open. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, and that's one, the issue with him. Yeah. Yeah. There's one of Mike Evans I want to say early in the game that I think Kirby Joseph took a step in and then maybe didn't didn't realize that Mike Evans was shrieking downfield. And I think Baker got pressured and ended up throwing an interception that landed in the hands of – Will Harris in that game. Oh, Brian Branch didn't play in that game as well because Will Harris was starting at, at nickel there. 
Um, so yeah, I like if you're looking at the first game and thinking, oh well, of course the Lions are gonna like repeat and get done and advance. Like, I would say hold off because this offense is playing some really good football and the defense, the defense is what scares me because they can pressure you. They have the third highest blitz rate in the NFL. Bowles and company love to dial it up. And I kind of wonder how this offensive line is going to handle that. They didn't handle it super well the first time they played. I know Jonah didn't play. Um, but the fact that they can hit you from so many different angles and they got all these players that can pressure and Kalaja Kansi had a good game against the Eagles. He's coming along and I, I'm kind of looking at this, that defense. And I'm thinking that's a recipe to beat this line's offense. It's pressuring from the interior, pre- blitzing from different angles and confusing Jared Goff in this offensive line. That's how they can get got. So I don't, I think the Lions are going to win, man, but like this is I'm looking around. I'm seeing everyone, NFL Network did a graphic where everyone's picking the Lions is the exact opposite of the Rams game. It's like, I don't feel good about that. <laughs> no, yeah, right. I really don't. So we'll see, man. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Baker is a guy that uh, like the pressure you said about the pressure, like that's actually like sort of his best, you know, when he's at his best is when things are going to hell. And he sort of can find a way. And I think he surprised a lot of people with that. But he's also like at a point now after, you know, the, the Browns obviously gave up on him. Um, I thought he played well down the stretch line with McVay. I think that probably helped him a lot uh, going forward. But like his confidence is back now. And when that guy is confident, he's pretty okay. Like he's not bad at all. And he could beat you, like especially with the guys that he has because – I mean, he's put up some big-time throws over the last couple of weeks, and when he's got the confidence going and he just wants to sling it, he'll give you some back, and he will absolutely miss some completely makeable throws um, that are like, what are you doing? But at the same time, like, if you give him stuff that's open over the middle or you're going to give him, you know, you're not going to be on whatever, or if you blitz him at the wrong time, and you got to be careful with that too in this game, yeah, they're going to get more on you. And, and this is one, too, where if it flips around – and I, you know, it's tough because I like how Morris and the Rams were playing defensively as well. But like, this is a tough group to play against defensively. You know, just the staff and and some of the guys that got out there too. But offensively for the Lions, the run game's got to be much, much better. I feel like in this game because they, I, it almost feels like they got away with one because it wasn't, it wasn't there. Like it felt like in that game against the Rams, you get up fourteen to three. Uh, whatever the score was at halftime, and it felt like you should have just gone in the second half, ran the ball, and then just ran away with the game, and that did not happen. So I don't know. I mean, what were your thoughts on that too? And I'm curious uh, going forward. I don't know what to make of all that, or the Aaron Donald and, and the Rams just fitting it pretty well. But yeah, I don't know what your thoughts on all that are. Um, yeah, I was reading um, a story by by Ted uh, in our our lines section. That I kind of yeah. came across. I used to, like his best. He does his best. Uh, Oh, right, yeah. of, the, of the of the week so we did a playoff version of that and basically said the rams defense set up to kind of stop the stretch runs right. uh with their wide alignments and that's really what the lines were trying to do in the third quarter with right. Gibbs. and it almost like it played right into the rams hands and that's why they only scored three points in the second half um and i thought i even said to you in the game like they got to go back to Montgomery and just run downhill because yeah, that was the gap stuff. Yeah, the gap stuff was working. The wide stuff, the stretch stuff was not, and that's what the Rams were trying to defend against the most mm-hmm. um, per Ted. So I thought that was interesting. So I think that's probably explains why they were able to have success against the Lions' rushing offense, which has been pretty good the most of the season. But at the same time, the last couple of weeks have not been good. 
I wrote this in my kind of keys to the game story before the the Rams and Lions played. Uh, but Ben Johnson was not happy with the run game the last two weeks of the regular season. Right. He uh, carried over in this week. You got 25 carries for, I think, 79 yards. Not their best day. Um, and against a Bucks defense that I think is fifth in the NFL in rushing defense, like that could continue if you're not, you know, doing what you got to do out there. So if you can't run the ball, you're going to have to throw it. The, this Tampa defense is a lot more susceptible to the, to the pass than it is to the run. I think they have the fourth worst uh, passing defense in the NFL, something like that, in terms of yards allowed. Um, so they you can, you can get them through the air. I don't think the secondary is anything to cry home about. Um, but the run game, I, I do think that that's going to be a key. And if they can't run the ball, it might make them more one-dimensional than, than they'd like to be. And this could be a tough one on the ground, too, because they've got some guys, you know, Vita, Vita's in there. Via, um, I think they've stopped the, they stopped the tush push a few times this year, the Eagles deal. They stopped that like, <laughs> more than once. that in the playoff game. Yeah, that was... yeah, yeah. They stopped it in the playoff Ooh. game, but I think they got them in the season, too. And you're like, shit, okay. So – the reason why, like to Ted's point, you're going to take away all the stretch stuff if you're the Rams is you have Aaron Donald. You say, whatever, bring it inside. The Lions actually were blocking that okay, to your point. Mm. This actually, to some degree, with Via is a different is a different kind of dude in there with the size and the, and the movement skills that he has. Gapping him is even more of a challenge in some ways. So I'll bet you a dollar that we'll see the exact same type of situation from L.A. in this game. They will play, you know, they will play wide and they will try to take that stretch away, which means you're just going to have to block it and be comfortable and confident running the thing downhill. And the curious part, to your point again, is they started the game doing exactly that. That's exactly what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Then they get to the third quarter and they want to go to the stretch. And it almost felt like the Rams knew when they get to the third quarter, Ben Jones is going to want to go away from, he's going to want to flip it. Like maybe that was a lesson for Ben Johnson, right? Maybe that was yep. a lesson for him too of like, doesn't always have to be exactly what we planned. You know, if it's a playoff game, if this thing is working, you move forward and you figure out whatever you got to do, right? So maybe that was a lesson too. I don't know, but I almost wonder if some of that's happening too, where teams are starting to pick up on a little bit of tendency there on what he prefers to do. Not because he doesn't have tendencies in terms of they run the exact same stuff, but he likes to set you up with stuff and then go away from it when you're not expecting it. So Maybe that's part of that. I don't know. But uh, I feel like a lot of that has to be better, probably including him in this game too, uh, because you're right. I feel like this defense in some weird ways uh, is either as effective as the Rams or maybe even more so. Yeah, man, I think so. Uh, and this is Ben Johnson's, you know, first yeah, play, right, first first postseason as, as an offensive coordinator. And um, he's learning along the way himself. So maybe that was a good test for him to kind of figure out how teams are you know, trying to counter his moves and what he's trying to do. So um, certainly good to get that out of the way. I think the key for the Lions offense in the last game was going, I believe they were three for three in the red zone with touchdowns, Yep. Um, which is fantastic. You want that. You got to capitalize. I think Tampa has a pretty good red zone defense. So um, when you get down there, I think the Lions will be able to move the ball through the air particularly. Um, so when you get down there, it's about capitalizing and not selling for field goals, but getting those touchdowns. I think right. – that's that was the difference in last week's game. I will say, shout out to Michael Badgley for hitting a 54-yarder. Oh, that was pretty insane. You're right about that. I did I not think he was making that. did not think no. he had that at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so shout out to him. That was a clutch kick. They ended up winning by one huge. point. So, yeah. um, so maybe that gives them some confidence. But, yeah, I do think they're going to have to capitalize in the red zone and, and maximize those opportunities when they get down there. And 
um, that's going to be big against a defense like this. Yeah, I think it'll be a really interesting game, probably better than some people, maybe boring for some, because I think it'll be a, it could be a slug, you know, deal. Because I think you flip it Tampa's got, you know, you're going to get to see uh, Hutchinson versus Wirfs a few times in this game, I would mm-hmm. imagine. And that's going to bring up the whole thing again to where you got to make sure you're going to get something opposite him. And that was going to lead to, my, to me to my next question. Uh, I know that the James Houston stuff has been talked about some um, injury-wise can we update anybody else other than Houston? I know Laporta seemed fine. I don't know. Somehow, I don't know what is going on there. Um, but he clearly is made of rubber, as we said earlier. But uh, what's what's up with the rest of the injuries here before we get out of here? Yeah. So Laporta is is actually fine. He, yeah. They they had a walkthrough yesterday, so we got an estimated injury report. Um, but Laporta was listed as a full practice, so wow. I think he got through the hard part. That was just pain management last Jeez. week and. He's a freak, man. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Crazy. Some guys just have it, man. <laughs> yeah. Frank had his typical. It's so funny to see Frank's <laughs> name on the injury report. It literally says knee, back, toe, slash breast. So he had an off day. Oh, I hope um, people know what he's going through, ladies and gentlemen. We try to tell you on the show every week. It's, it's a so lot. Yeah. Um, Khalif Raymond is probably the only one that's notable. I would say maybe Anzalone, too. He was limited. That's but true, he's yeah. going to play. Like, he left the game and then came back. Mm-hmm. So he finished. I think he'll be fine. He's dealing with shoulder slash rib injury. Um, but Cleef Raymond, as we know, left the Vikings game, did not play last week. He was listed as a no practice on the injury report the other day with the knee injury. So we'll see if he can able if he's able to go back out there today um, and give it a go. If not, probably look, not looking great. And then James Houston, they do have to make a decision on him, I believe, this week where mm-hmm. they want to activate him or, or keep him on IR. He's got the ankle injury. He's been practicing for like the last feels like you know right. three weeks, um, but I don't I don't know. Like I asked around a little bit, and I want to say I was I kind of got a hint that he wasn't gonna play in the p- first playoff game, and that was kind of a surprise to me. I thought he was ready, but he seems to be in good spirits, and I think he thinks that he's ready to go. So um, we'll see if he can give it a go this week. And I think that having that dude on yes. the field. Even in like 10 snaps is going to help. Yeah. If it's 10, it's 15, is, whatever yeah. it is, that's all he needs to kind of yeah. make an impact. So um, I'm sure the Lions would love to see him out there at full strength, but they, they're not going to put him out there if they don't think he can be effective. Yeah. That's the key. That's what they said about Laporta. If Laporta is playing at 20% and he's running like a 6.440 out there, no, no, there's no reason to put him out there. He's not going to help. Right. Him. Yeah. Same thing with James Houston. So I think they're trying to work on <laughs> building back up that strength. Um, and if he's able to give it a go, he'll probably be effective. So we'll see what he can do. The other guy I was going to mention really quick before we go was uh, C.J. Herder Johnson played almost 40 snaps. So that's a lot for him, obviously, to be back. And it looks like he's a regular. Uh, he didn't start, but he was in there a ton. Yep. Um, and he's been talking shit with uh, Mayfield this week, correct? Is that happening? Yeah. I believe. That's somehow somehow that started. <laughs> yeah. When did that even happen? When did he have time to do that? Like, so he did his – on-camera interviews last week, and then a couple of us right. um, stuck around his locker as we normally do, and uh, just asked him random questions, and he'll answer. And I think he started going on tangent about uh, the Tampa receivers because he was talking about. Uh, I think he was talking about the Rams receivers and good, how good they are, and then okay. kind of pivoted to Tampa's receivers. And it's like they got some. They got some dogs over there. If they had a quarterback, they'd be even better. Something like that. Okay, He's, it was it. like it was like a very like. Passing like, comment. Uh, yeah. I'm not. He's not even thinking about potentially playing the Buccaneers in the next round. 
And then all of a sudden that gets out and Baker sees it. And he, I think CJ mentioned like Russell Gage is like one of their good receivers, yeah, but yeah, he yeah. hasn't he's played like all year. Yeah. So Baker was like, I mean, he's maybe he should watch more film because he hasn't been playing for us. <laughs> so now they're going back and forth in public. So that's fun. That's, that's always good. fun. Yeah. <laughs> so that'll be a story to watch as well. But in any event, uh, Lions move forward. Uh, it still could be one of these years, Colton. This is a uh, massive game, of course, again on Sunday. But again, like I think you touched on it earlier, like the sigh of relief from people around here that this season isn't going to end with that streak continuing is probably the greatest gift anyone could have because it's like, and we said it the week prior leading into the game, it was a flashpoint moment for the franchise. I really do feel like, and, and we'll see what happens Sunday. We'll see what happens next season moving forward. But I really do feel like you can take yourself and you go forward now as like, forget everything else, you know, forget the rest of the history. The back wall can just say 2023 is the last time you did all this stuff. And then yep. you just move on as a competent franchise, just like everybody else who does it. So yep. yeah. And what, this could be one more step in that, you know what I mean? So Nick, are we, uh, we changing the podcast title? Uh, no, by the way, I don't think <laughs> so. I get asked that every day. Same here. I've gotten asked that a lot for the last like, month. And uh, no, we're not changing the title for a lot of reasons. SEO related, I'm sure, uh, number one. But number two, uh, I feel like that holds – one of these years can hold up for any year in any situation. And obviously it was a Super Bowl was one of these years, folks. Not one of these years they're going to want a playoff game. So you got a few more to go before we have to change the name or consider it. But uh, I don't think so. I don't think – I agree. I, I, like I think that will just be a theme that we run on. Yeah. As we go forward. But anyway, you got anything else this week? I'm all good. Looking forward to Sunday. Should be fun. Yeah, same here. We'll both be there again to uh, break it all down. Thank God an afternoon game this time and not right. the 8-20. Although, hey, look, it wasn't that bad. I mean, the freezing cold kept you awake if nothing else. It was like the coldest damn day of the year. No one cared. Yeah. And the other thing I would say is, uh, back not before we get out of here, back to that 91 game, Colton. One of my last memories when we did the rewatch was watching all the fans in the Silverdome run out of there when the game ended because back then the parking lot there was a nightmare. You had mm. to beat traffic. And I it was like five minutes ago and they were leaving. And I remember saying to Chris and Craig, I wish I could go grab them all and shake them and say, sit back down. This is not <laughs> going to happen for 30 more years. <laughs> when that game ended on Sunday, no one left. They all stayed. They sat there. Traffic was a disaster, I'm sure, for quite a while afterward, but they, no one left. They cherished it in. It was a heck of a night for a lot of people. Uh, congrats to all the long sufferers. Congrats to that guy with the 60-year ticket holder that kept showing him on yep. NBC. I mean, my God, if they lost, that poor guy was never going to live it down. But whatever. He wouldn't have cared anyway. He would have been there at the next game, and that's why Lions fans are great. But in any event, I think that'll do it for this week. Uh, for Colton, I'm Nick. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you later. 